All right, here we go. Let's do this thing. Teach Go Rockstar podcast. On this episode, we have Eric Salzenstein. Eric is a speaker. He's a coach. He's got so much going on. And this dude has a crazy story that, man, like once I found a, just like the tip of the iceberg, I said, man, shut it down right there. Let's talk about this on the podcast because I want you guys to hear it. And uh, I can't get wait. I can't wait to get into this. Here we go. Eric Salzstein, Teach Go Rockstar podcast. Let's do this. The Teach Like a Rockstar Podcast with Hal Bowman. All right, before we get this party started, here is a quick word from Boston Scally Company. I have found the absolute best caps on the internet at bostonscally.com. The Boston Scally Company is the online purveyor of caps with the most attitude. Some people refer to them as a flat cap or a Gatsby or an Ivy cap, but the cap everyone is really looking for is the traditional Boston Scally cap. Founded by the son of a lifelong educator, the Boston Scally Company designs and sells caps that capture the unique culture of the Boston people with an authentic style that is filled with blue-collar sarcasm, rugged integrity, and a truckload of attitude. Pick up the authentic Boston Scally cap at bostonscally.com. The Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowen. Love it, Hal. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's an honor to be here with everybody. Hell yeah, brother. I'm looking at the map here on this crazy screen of ours. Where, Brother, where are you? Orlando, Florida. I, I, had a fi- I, think, I'm, I think I'm the pink dot. I yeah, really- you are, man. I, I was trying to figure out, but just based on all the water, man, all the water. I was th- I, here's here's my two, I had two guesses. One was Minnesota, and one was Florida. Okay, there you go. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. all the water. We have lakes. Places. We have lakes everywhere. I mean, the big the big uh, lake I like well, I spent a lot of time on middle high school with uh, friends was uh, the chain of lakes, and it's just a chain exactly that lake connecting after lake after lake, and yeah, a lot of fun. Man, did you grow up in Florida? Yeah, I was born in Maine, Bangor, Maine, home of Stephen King. Know nothing yeah. about it. I left. Uh, I left when I was a baby. Moved to Orlando when I was a baby, and have been here my 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 whole life. We were just in Maine. It was beautiful, brother. I need to go back. I need to oh get my, my I need to get my roots right. Yeah, man, that's the thing. You know, I'm here in Houston, and just like in Florida, like just that just that crispness of the fall and the leaves, and just it's awesome. There you go. Hey man, when when you were growing up there in Florida, what was your scene like in um like elementary and middle school? Were you, were you kind of like the athlete kid? Oh yeah, so I was uh, very active, similar to your son for sure, nonstop, uh, always involved in something. Growing up, I was big into sports, so I played soccer, baseball, uh, basketball. And they called me the vacuum in baseball. I didn't let a ball go. I didn't, it, the ball was not going past me. Was <laughs> second base and shortstop. Um, and then in basketball, that was my real love. Uh, I was the point guard, of course, uh, and uh, multiple traveling teams. And I uh, got into some skating a little bit at one point and then um, got into some wakeboarding with, there you go, with all the lakes there. Uh, but yeah, definitely very a-, a very active kid. The vacuum. You know what I love about sports? I love, um, like, everybody has their thing, and I think most people are focused on offense. I love defense, because defense, like, that's the one area where it, it almost doesn't matter about natural ability and talent and genetics and DNA. It's just like, who wants it? You know what I mean? Like, it's like in hard. basketball. Yeah, man. You, that's who fun. wants to work hard? You normally don't hear that, because that's not, defense is not the, the place that shines. You don't get all the, you know, you don't get the, the, the the credit maybe I should, for that you do when with uh, when you're scoring right that the offense brings yeah I loved it that was my thing like and I you know clearly at my height man I didn't play much basketball but when I did 
you know, that my whole goal was my guy, like it was always man to man at that age. My guy is not getting the ball. There's no, like, I will defend this guy. There's no way he's getting the ball. Yeah. And of course he did, but on it, but like way less if it wasn't for me. I like that. I like it's that. like an attitude, man. Like it changes your like those. I, I really believe that um, if if it's done the right way, those sports in the younger ages, as kids are coming up through school, really can like really has an impact on who that kid's becoming. Couldn't agree more, man. When I left the sports, is when things really started to go downhill for me. And so, man, when when you were in high school, and uh, and, and um, also, man, I was curious, like all through elementary and junior high, in terms of, like academic performance and grades, are you just doing okay, just getting by? Are you killing it? You're struggling? What are you doing? So we we actually we got I got uh, tested. My mom took me to get tested because in second grade I was prescribed um, Ritalin. And I was told that I had. Uh, ADD and ADHD. And so we went and got tested and the results came back that I was like, I I don't remember the numbers, but incredibly smart. And I was told that what's happening is I was getting bored in class. And so I would get bored and then I would start acting out and getting into trouble. And and that's where like, I would just easily distracted. Um, And I mean, I always thought like, I basically, I did, I would do what I had to do uh, especially in high school just to get by. And then I would like cram and do like, you know, get all the information in just to pass the test. It was almost as if I never was fully trying is, is kind of, if I were to give you like the overall message in academics from when I could remember all the way through, through high school is I never gave it my hundred percent. I was always just doing what I had to, to get through it. And I was much, I was, you know, I was, I want friends, um, social life, sports. Those were things that got my full attention where academics, it was just like, all right, I have to be here. Let's, let's get through it. That, that was kind of my, my attitude, I think. You know, I'm, I'm, man, I'm wondering, was it, um, for you, was it you just weren't into it or did, or do you think you had like a subconscious, like a Gary V type of thing where deep down inside you knew none of this stuff mattered? I think maybe a little bit of both. I had an entrepreneurial spirit for sure. I was selling candy and CDs in sixth grade, seventh grade, uh, sixth and seventh and eighth grade at public school. So during middle school, I was already getting into sales of some sort. Um, I wasn't doing the baseball cards like Gary Vee, but um, yeah, I was, I, so I had the entrepreneurial spirit. I think it was a mix of maybe uh, subconsciously a little bit of that, but also I think, and I think a lot of kids can deal with this now is not having the vision or understanding of, of why this is, this is important. Like how, it relates to their life. We're, we're looking at it like I was as a chore. Like I have to do this. And it was, and I, I, you know, I was more interested in X, Y, or Z, but you're telling me I had to do this. It was a chore. It wasn't enjoyable. We, I didn't have a vision connected with it. I didn't have a purpose behind it. So it just kind of fell on the wayside, you know? Yeah, and I think also like a guy like you at that age, you know, much like myself at that age, where you know have so many interests and so many other things happening. And you know what, man, I could do this school thing and work hard and really get a, you know, maybe get an A. But you know what, I could do absolutely nothing and just swing by and end up with a B or C. I'll yeah, go that route. That was it. That was you. Yeah, that you you described it perfectly there. Yep. Yeah, man. And then so you got into high school, and and when you get into high school and, and you're freshman, are you still doing the whole sports thing? So freshman year I was, I was still on two different traveling teams outside of school. And then I was a uh, freshman uh, playing on the basketball team at in school. And uh, so three different teams, my, my schedule was nonstop between practices, games on the weekends. Like it was just, you know, it's been like that for since I could remember. And um, I think at this point, I started just to really invest in my friends more in the social life and, and everything that 
went with that. And um, I had already been exposed to, to marijuana, so a little bit of drinking. Uh, that was I was sixth grade playing up a couple levels. So I was my uh, teammates were in eighth grade, and I was in sixth grade at a private Catholic school. The eighth graders that I was playing up with uh, on the traveling team, they went to public school. So um, I wasn't exposed to anything at my school, but playing basketball connected me with them. They're two grades above me. So at sixth grade, I was exposed to the marijuana and I I fell for, I mean, again, this goes back to the social, like wanting to fit in, wanting to be accepted, putting so much weight on friends or so-called friends and wanting to be liked uh, that that I went ahead and, and went down that path. And so leading into ninth grade, I had already been exposed to that stuff. I was already, you know, uh, here and there on the weekends, you know, doing it. And then I basically made a decision that broke my dad's heart, man. Cause how my dad was, he, he brought me up in sports. That's, um, that was our relationship. So when I decided to quit playing basketball, throw in the towel and basically focus on my friends and my new, my new business, uh, that's, that's when things started to get, you know, a little, uh, that's when things started to go downhill. They call that dicey. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, uh, man, when when you um, here's what I'm so so for people, I'm gonna kind of jump to the end, and because this is a, like a defining moment. So you have a speech that you do, and you work with kids and organizations and schools and and companies and nonprofits, associations, all of it. And it, I, bl- I believe it's called from prison to P- prosperity. Correct. So you know, like we're 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 not. Um, you know, this isn't like a spoiler alert. Like it's at some point you go to prison. But what what I'm curious about is at this point in your life, can you look back where there was a single decision? This always fascinates me because like people don't end up just in prison one day. They, they, there's always a, a there was a there was a place where they turned right instead of left, or they they kept going straight when they really should have turned away. Can you think back to that first moment? So. There's, I don't think there's any way I could say one decision that landed me in prison. I mean, it was definitely just a lifestyle that I created based on a lot of bad, um, a lot of bad thinking. You know, my thought processes were off. My, but here's here's one thing that stands out: the desire to be needed and wanted and accepted by my peers, like yeah. to fit in and just like to be cool, quote unquote, cool. Like that right there, I think is the, is the big thing that was always uh, in my life going through school. And I think that contributed uh, to, to, yeah, to my demise, so to speak, going to prison. Yeah. When, when, and this, this, you think this was always a part of you and it just intensified as you got older into your teens? For sure. Yeah. Because in, in uh, middle school, like I said, I was always into sports. Um, and then what happened, a lot of the kids were skateboarders and they listened to rock music. And I was an athlete and I, w- I, I ended up trying to skate a little bit, but it wasn't, again, that was just to kind of fit in. I didn't love it. Um, but I listened to like the hip hop rap music. So I was like, there was a, there was a divide with the majority of my classmates. And at a private Catholic school, we got 60 kids. You got like you know, you go up, there's two classes for each grade level, 60 kids total type of thing, 30 in each each class. And so you go up with the same kids from first to eighth grade. And I had friends, I mean, but I definitely got picked on a lot. 
I was a smaller guy. Um, and yeah, so I shined in sports, but then outside of sports, uh, in the day to day, I just felt like I wasn't always accepted. And so I was always trying to like, just, I was fighting for acceptance, fighting to be liked. And I think that played a huge role in uh, my decision-making. Yeah, when when you were growing up at this point, were your parents supportive of school and your academics, the the, uh, the sports, all that you're into? Yeah, absolutely. Like, came from a great home, loving parents. My mom, she she was definitely she taught me God. Uh, my dad, he was he was sports. I had two younger sisters. Uh, I think school they always was it was always just you know, continue to try your best. Um, don't act out so much in class. I was always like the class clown type of thing. Um, so that was, that was kind of in that area. And then sports, I was just like the golden child. So, um, you know, they were, they were really happy to see that I was, I was blossoming in that. Did now did your mom work outside the home? No, uh, my mom was a personal trainer. Uh, my dad was, yeah. So my mom was a personal trainer. Timeshare is a huge industry here in Florida. My dad was in that industry as a director of sales. Okay. This is where it's all coming together, brother. So, um, cause there's one thing that you're known for and you know, there's a few things you're known for, but one is being in like ridiculous shape. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> yeah. and, the, and, and then the other is like the, you know, the gift of communication, which is what sales is all about. Yeah, it's, uh, you're right on. I'd say, yeah, mom was definitely very, um, she was, she's right now. She's still, she looks great. She's, uh, I've, my parents are a little bit older and, um, they're still active. My dad's still hitting the gym. My mom's still doing her thing and, and her local little gym. And, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, and then, so have you always been training? No. So I've always been, so we, sports was, was my training growing up. Um, once I stopped playing in ninth grade, I would still play pickup games with friends all through high school. Um, and then lifting the occasional weights. I didn't start working out religiously until I got into prison. And that's where I was, I was on the rec yard every day If they call rec twice a day. I would go out there the second time. Um, and they don't have weights in prison, but they have the pull-up bars and dip bars and, um, push up. So I was, I was doing all calisthenic work. And so I came out completely like ripped, right. Especially cause the food's uh questionable. So I wasn't eating like a surplus of calories to, to put on weight, but I was just staying very cut, very defined. But then when I got out of, uh, when I got released, now I got all of a sudden I got introduced to the weights. And so yeah. for the last two years and three months, I've been dialed in uh, with the weightlifting. It's been a true passion and a true um, outlet for me. And if I remember, I, you competed, haven't you? Yeah, I competed. Uh, that was a, a big goal that I set out at the beginning of 2018. I got on stage in December of 2018. Huge win for me. Uh, learned so much about myself. And, and I have so much respect for the sport because um, to be able to do that, it's just – it is not easy. It's really no, tough. No, man. You know, when I, uh, when I turned, uh, I guess it was about 45 years ago and, um, you know, I was looking at some sort of something super challenging and physical to do. And I went through a whole list of stuff and then, you know, I was like thinking about a marathon, but then I was looking at, you know, I, I looked, I was looking at pictures and there was like 20,000 people lined up to do some marathon. I'm like, that's too many people, man. Like I want to do something hardly anybody can get themselves to do. Right. And, um, and that's when, and that's when I first competed. I guess I was 46 or 47 when I first competed. And I think I've done five shows since then. No, four shows. Solid. Love it. Yeah. Which show did you do? I did uh, the MPC Holiday Classic. Is that in Florida? Yeah, that's Florida. That was in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. yeah. Yep. 
All right, so well, is that a listen, man, I want to get on stage again. It's just right now priorities. I've got to kind of. It's I still train as if I'm I, the way I the way I train when I go to the gym. Um, I still have a a bodybuilder's diet. I don't count macros at the moment, but I'm still you know still getting uh, half my meals in and uh, uh, chicken rice vegetable type thing or sweet you know yeah. the the very basic uh, food groups. And, um, I still train as if I'm getting on stage and I, and I do want to get back on. It's just a matter of when the time's going to be right. That's the thing, man. I can't tell you how many shows I picked and then, you know, life happens, man. And then right. be, and when you got kids and wife and family and life and business and, you know, these, well, I just, so now I'm going to go back. I'll do, I did, I did masters nationals a couple of years ago. I'm going to try it again in July. Love it. Love it. Yeah, man. So man, you're in high school. Let's get back into this. You're in high school and, um, and at some point, you have to you decide to um, take on a whole different lifestyle and shut down the athletics. Yeah, yeah, that was ninth grade. So basically, I had been smoking on the weekends with friends. Um, now getting into ninth grade, it's becoming even more like it's it's all around. And so um, basically, I made a decision. I said to myself, "Okay, selling CDs and selling candy is not really a cool thing to do in high school." And um, now, when I stopped that, I didn't have that. I kind of lost some attention. I, I lost that people weren't coming up to me every day to buy the CDs or the candy. So I was like, you know, I kind of missed that. And now that I was sick of sports, sick of basketball, it was like, well, what am I going to do? And I mean, it's, it's weird because I don't remember this being something that I really weighed the consequences or really thought about, like, is this a serious decision in my life? I don't remember doing that. I think to me in my mind, it was just like at that time, this was the next step for me. Like this made perfect sense. Yes, I'm going to start selling weed. And so I was like, I'll be the one to provide it for my friends when we're, you know, they don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to drive anywhere and just like, like I'll take care of all that and I'll make a little money doing it. And so I made that decision and um, basically went all through high school selling, uh, selling weed. And I ended up branching out to other high schools and it just started growing and um, it, it kind of cr- you know, turned into something much bigger than I think I anticipated. Um, and, and I definitely became, um, I don't want to say obsessed, but it, it became my life. Uh, and, and yeah, that's, uh, just can continue to kind of spiral out of control. So at this point, and like, I know your parents love you and they're involved. D- did they have any idea or you, or you were just like a ninja at hiding it? So, yeah, this is definitely where the fun-loving, the spirit that I've had growing up. And, of course, like I got into some trouble. They found weed in my room when I was in, I think, seventh grade. So, like, there was already some – you know, I had had been getting in trouble, getting into fights at school. So, like, this isn't the first time that, like, I'm acting out. Uh, but definitely like, this is where that fun loving childlike spirit starts kind of going out the window. And now I've created this image of this like drug dealer, like hardened. And and, and I wasn't, I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't out of control, so to speak. I, I was still like doing everything I needed to do, going to school, except, you know, but I definitely was, I wasn't easy on my parents. And so like, constantly rebelling if they found anything we'd get in some you know shouting uh uh, matches they'd throw it away i'd go get more like there was nothing stopping me um and uh yeah they they found uh we had a couple incidents that were really scary um one time in sophomore year i used to keep the weed in the garage in a safe because of the smell 
and I'd have them in like vacuum sealed bags, but they would still, you know, be too strong. And then I'd have the money in another safe or put away in my room. Someone broke in the garage one night uh, through the garage side door, the window to try to get the safe. And uh, my sisters were home. My dad woke up. The guy ended up running out of the garage door. Um, this obviously was a huge thing with my sisters. And this created a lot of a lot of tension in the house. And, you know, what do you bring into the house? And this was a big moment. Um, and uh, it didn't even it didn't even phase me. It didn't even stop me. I mean, I, I, I didn't like that it happened, but t- I was already so committed. Um, that when these like hiccups, ha- you know, when these things came up, I just continued on through. So they'd ground me, they'd, you know, whatever. And I'd sneak out my window. I mean, I was definitely uh, very, very rebellious at this point. Man, it's just so crazy how like the same characteristics in a kid can lead to polar opposite results, whether, you know, it's, it's down this one road that they're eventually going to end up in prison or dead, or this other road is complete um, happiness and contentment and success. You know, like it's like that commitment and persistence and refusing to give up and not quitting all that. I mean, it's so interesting. hundred percent, man. Because you had those same qualities and, and, and you still do. You're just applying them differently now. Yep. That's a hundred percent. Still, I still have a desire, I think, to be, uh, to have that center of attention. I mean, as a speaker, you have to enjoy that. I do. When I get on stage, I love that. But what I've switched to is two things. It's one, it's now what's the purpose. The purpose is not just to, to get the attention, but it's to serve the people I'm speaking to. And now it's not, I'm not getting it in any way, shape or form. I'm getting it because of the positive action steps that I'm taking. So at the, at the, at the core of it, I'm still kind of feeding this base desire, I think. Um, but, but it's okay because I'm doing it for the right reasons. And my mindset's a little different in the sense of it's not about me. It's about them. It's about the audience. It's about what they take away from it. Um, and, and yeah, that's so. So, you know, like my little analysis is this just, just on a little bit that we've talked before. And then today is, um, you know, you were, you were getting all those results that you wanted in high school based on what you were doing, but now it's all about who you are as a person and sharing that with other people. Absolutely. Powerful, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What was the man? Like when, when, when you were doing the, you know, the drug life and, and like doing the hustle and, you know, selling all that stuff, like what was the peak of it? Like at, at what point was it your senior year? No, no. So they made, uh, my parents made one last, last de- uh, ditch effort. They uh, sent me out to Louisiana for a rehab. My brother, my Nana helped out um, financially and I was 17. So I still had no choice at that time. Right. So it was like that last, we got to you know do something. And so they sent me out to Louisiana. I went through this three month program, moved out to Denver with my brother to basically restart my life. And um, when I got out there, I, um, I got two great jobs and within like three months, all of a sudden, my coworkers were asking for weed. And, um, you know, at this time it wasn't legal out there. It was 2009 and, um, or wait, late 2008, early nine. And, um, and it took me maybe I said no at the start. And within a couple months, all of a sudden, like I found somebody somehow and I was now selling to my coworkers out there. And in my mind, I was, I, I know I did it cause I wanted friends. Like that was part of it. I wanted friends. I was feeling lonely. Like that was part of it. The other part of it was in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm not going to smoke it this time. I'm just going to sell it. I'm going to save up a bunch of money and, and put a bunch of money aside. And, um, so it was, it was, yeah. And so, 
again, made the decision to turn. And within about six to seven months, my brother caught on. He knew what was happening. He called me out and he said, you're either going back to rehab or you're going back to Orlando. And I said, all right, I'm out. And um, I went back to Orlando. And when I came back to Orlando, this is when everything turned upside down. Um, we had a pill epidemic that swept through Florida, uh, still, uh, still very heavily here doctor shopping prescriptions. Um, and, and just, it, it really, it brought on the heroin epidemic that now with all these overdoses and, and that we're seeing, uh, because they started tightening, tightening up on the regulations for the prescriptions for the opiates and the painkillers. And so all these people that got addicted to those because of how, uh, easily, um, accessible they were now they, they they restricted the guidelines so they're harder to get so what do they do they turn to the street drugs which is same thing with, with uh, opiates would be heroin and so it's just played such a big role and it started in florida went up um i mean it went up north for sure but the big um big documentary that was made on it was called the oxycontin express and so i got introduced to this game uh when i got back to orlando 2009 and late 2009. And um, I didn't know anything about it. I had never been exposed to these pills, but the the profit, the, the margins, the numbers were like crazy. And I said, yeah. And then I said, let's do it. So I, I jumped in head first. And uh, within a few months, I was now taking them. And so uh, I became addicted to these things and um, was making a lot more money. I was still selling weed. So I was just like going from every year, I moved to a different apartment for the, for the next, uh, um, was it three years or four years? And, um, and I was just all in selling these different prescriptions, different painkillers and whatever, and, and weed. And, um, I went down a really, really dark path, man, of addiction and sitting and greed and just, it was this, this vicious cycle. And then how did it all come to the end? Um, basically I had gotten in a little altercation with another drug dealer. Um, I was arrested for armed robbery against him. Uh, it was labeled as a drug deal gone bad. And, um, so yeah, that brought me in and, and that's where, uh, that's where things started to, to shift and my freedom now is in question. And after about a year, um, year finally going to court and, uh, was sentenced to four years in state prison. Man, at that point, like when, when you were sitting in the back of the car, once you were arrested, you got the handcuffs on, like, was there, was there like this flood of reality? Like, oh my gosh. Uh, I wasn't in the car. No, it was, uh, the car was like, you know, this is what it is. You've been living this life, kind of still have the tough image. Like I'm going to jail, like, you know, and then once you get in jail and, and all of a sudden now you realize by the minutes going by, the minutes going by, you're not going anywhere. And you're just like waiting to figure out how long you're going to be here. Now, all of a sudden you, you start to kind of have time to sit back and look at everything. And you they talk about, you know, your back being against the wall. I mean, I was, I was there in every sense of the word and I had to basically face my biggest enemy up until that point, uh, which was myself. And so, um, you know, had, having to do that, it was a sobering moment. It was a surreal moment and I bit off more than I could chew for sure. And, uh, but now I had to deal with it and work through it. And so I remember we getting on a phone call, my dad, I said, Hey man, I said, listen, I said, I don't know what we're going to get here. They were looking at some pretty high numbers, um, I said, I don't know what they're going to offer me. I said, but whatever God wants me to do, whatever amount of time he wants me to do to change my life, 
that's the time I want. I don't want a day longer. I don't want a day earlier. I'm ready to take the time I need to change my life. And we had that phone call. He's like, all right, we're going to get through this. And a couple of weeks later, maybe a month later, I got offered the plea of uh, four years. Uh, so what were you looking at originally? Oh, it's a, it's a punishable by life offense. So I was facing life. Um, but being that this was the first time that I had gotten any felony charges, you qualify for what's called a downward departure. It's basically where the court kind of has leniency on you. Now that doesn't mean that you're not get like we were realistically, we were thinking about 10 years or so realistically, because the state prosecutor wasn't working with us. Uh, but, uh, but she dropped her caseload. Another state prosecutor was, um, was put on my case. And, uh, that state prosecutor was old friends with my attorney. They were public defenders together when they were first starting out. So that played, uh, that was a very fortunate, very, that was a blessing. And, um, so the minimum time you can get on my charge on that charge is three years. So minimums, three maximums life. Uh, I got one year over the minimum. So they offered me four. I mean, why do you tell me why you didn't think it worked in uh, Louisiana? So you went to Louisiana, and what town was that rehab place in? Baton Rouge. Man, that's you talk about some heat, man. That gets hot there in the summer. <laughs> and um, so you're in that facility, and you're in there with other people trying to get it together. Why do you think it just didn't work at the time? Uh, so two reasons. Uh, one, still going back to I care too much about what other people think, and this image that I was this like you know cool bad you know like whatever this image that I decided to build up. Um, they sent me against my will, so naturally I was a little defiant in in my mindset. And so when I got there, two things like one, I, I was still so focused on being accepted and wanted by my peers there because it was a big community. It was like there's about five or six adolescent kids. The rest were adults. There was men. There was women. Like there was a lot of different social. It was it was definitely a social melting pot for sure. This place was not like. And so I, I put a lot of weight on, again, being accepted by everybody and being cool. And I was, th- that was a big focus of mine while I was there. Like looking back, I know it was. Second big thing is I wasn't ready. I didn't really want, I shouldn't say I wasn't ready. I didn't want that change. I didn't, in my, I had not made a decision that I want to change my life. I didn't, at this point, I still didn't put value. I still didn't have clarity around that I could do something great in this lifetime. I just did not have that. I didn't have that vision. So to me, it was just like, I'm killing time before I'm going back to do what? To just like go back to life? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going, like, so... Yeah, those those two those two factors, I think. So, uh, do you think there's any way you could have turned it around without hitting that rock bottom of prison? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's one of the things I ask myself like where um where in my life would have would a would a speaker with my story where in my life would that have impacted me? And if I would have heard my story by somebody that I could have connected with in middle school or in high school, those are the two places that 100% eighth grade in middle school and a 10th, 10th grade in high school, those were the two times that that speaker could have played a difference. See, I, I was never taught life skills. My mom taught me God. If there was any issue, it was always church. My dad taught me sports. If there was any issue, you have to be sports is your outlet. That's what's going to teach you. Like I wasn't taught goal setting. I wasn't taught vision. I wasn't, I mean, my parents are awesome. I love them, but I just wasn't taught like high performance habits. 
And I think that kids, like we need that. We need to talk about like the power of communication. We need to talk about uh, decision-making in a sense of, of, of how to not just, not just right or wrong, but decision-making that's going to put you in a better place, give you an advantage in life. Um, we need to talk about the power of positive thinking and, and, and how you how you write your own story. My story growing up was I'm probably just going to end up sitting like my dad in timeshare, selling timeshare. Like if you would have asked me what I was going to do in high school, I probably would have told you I'm going to be selling timeshare. Like what type of vision is that for a kid? Yeah. And and we need to talk about these things. We need to talk about how like the challenges that you're going through, like our kids need to hear that the challenges that they're going through, it's not just like here, deal with it. It's that's there to serve you. That's there to make you stronger. So like if, for me, like me, the, the, the being bullied, the not fitting in, like that I needed to hear that that makes me unique. I needed to hear at that time that that makes me special and strong. And that's going to be a huge, that's going to play a big role in my success later in life. So it's these things that I, I feel like just they needed. If, if I would have, I think that I would have had a better chance to turn this around and not make the, not go down as deep as I did hit rock bottom, so to speak. If these core values, the, these belief systems, if I would have had those in place or at least would have known about them at a younger age. You know, also, man, it's really, you know, someone playing, you know, the, your, your role in that third party confirmation where, you know, maybe this kid has cool parents and maybe they have, have a great teacher they connect with or a coach or there's a youth minister in their life that's really working hard for them. But you know what? There's something different that someone comes in from the outside that doesn't even know them. It's not even connected to them personally yep. yet. And then they hear the same thing in an emotional and exciting and entertaining way. There's something special about that moment for kids. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, 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 I just out here in California, man, just the, the kids that came up to me afterwards and we started talking. I mean, it must have been three out of the let's just three out of five. I mean, they were getting they were crying. They, I'd put my hand on their shoulder. They'd ask me a question. You know, one 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 kid. He he said, um, uh, "Why why is it that I feel like I'm stupid?" He asked me why he feels like he's stupid. I said, "Well, I, I you know I asked him and I asked him a question and we kind of went back and forth." I put my hand on his shoulder and he just started breaking down. Yeah. And another girl, she's um she she enjo- she's enjo- she's uh, enjoys dancing. Um, uh, not the hula, the Hawaiian, but there's another style um, dancing that she does. And the girls that she dances with all wear two pieces um, and in the class. And she feels like her body isn't right for that and that she's but she loves the dance. And so I talked to her about the love and, and, and I talked to her about the relationships of building with them and focusing on like not don't focus on the body, focus on the friendships and focus on the passion. And again, I put my hand on her shoulder as I'm talking to her and that connection there that moment that exchange and she's just bought she's she's breaking down so it's like when you when you mention that it's that release and 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 here i am someone they've never met but they felt they felt that connection and this as did i and we had that moment and i i mean i can only hope that it really weighed heavy on their hearts after they left so you know man i i, I see that so much not just in my work but work with other people like you and um when kids are walking around every day just consumed with social media and staring at the screen and then even in their classrooms there really there's really not that 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 raw human connection component when they experience it it's almost overwhelming emo- like emotionally for them just watching them trying to handle it sure sure it's incredible yeah. yeah and man when 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 you're in prison 
And um, did you go through like an immediate phase of depression? <laughs> like, what have I done, man? Yeah, man, I was I was shell shocked. You can imagine. I mean, I was shell shocked. Yeah. I, I got to um, prison I was at was in a different time zone. They sent me all the way up in the Panhandle of Florida, uh, at the highest point. And uh, the, the prison I was at was like a, it was it was a it was a rough one. Um, and uh, so I get there. I saw a stabbing within the first two weeks, um, right in front of me. I've never seen like it was the just wow, uh, gr- like just completely. Where am I at? I'm in another world, and and I'm I'm learning to maneuver through this. I'm learning the the rules that I have to follow by the guards, and then the rules that I have to follow by the inmates. And so it's like this two different things at all times. It's a constant game of manipulation and chess. It's it's con. I mean constant uh just male bravado egos running fights break you know it's just everything that you see in these movies and shows i think that's the one area where they can't embellish it it's like you know you watch an action movie just like yeah right that would never happen this is like the one movie if you ever see that they probably even play it down a little bit so um but yeah so i i had to adjust and um it's funny because as bad as I wanted to change, you know, going back to that phone call I had with my dad, the first six months I wasted. And it's because here's the thing. If, if, if we want to create change in our lives, if we want to get to that next place, that's awesome. We can have the intention. We can have the desire. But if we do not have a game plan in place, if we don't have someone that's holding us accountable to getting there, if we don't have a blueprint to follow, if we don't have an, of a plan, What's going to happen is we're just going to stay to where we know. We're going to stay to what's comfortable. It's like, you know, a big thing I can relate this to is as a bodybuilder, if, if, counting every single single macro, every single calorie that goes into your body because you have to track it that much so, to get to the end result that you want. And now I'm, I'm, I'm finding this in business. Um, I'm finding this with, with you know, in, in all different areas that we can want something and have good intentions, but that's not enough. You have to have a game plan. And I didn't have that plan. So six months into my sentence, the first six months, I went back to what was comfortable. I went back to what I knew because again, I'm in this new world. I don't want to get hurt. I'm trying to figure it out. So I'm like, you know, I'm talking about what I was doing on the streets. I'm now, you know, using that stuff as a badge of honor to be accepted by my peers, going back to the same stuff that I've dealt with my whole life. Um, I started selling and smoking cigarettes. Like I was going down a bad path and I, I ended up getting in a fight. I'd gotten a couple fights by this point, but this one was brought on to me based on the cigarette sales. And there was a gang involved. And like, I was told like, you got to watch, like you're, you're stepping on some, some scary territory right now, basically. And I was basically checked at that point. And I, I snapped out of it. I was like, Eric, what are you doing? You're like, you're risking getting seriously hurt. You're risking basically coming out of this experience the exact same way you came in. You're going to waste this entire four years if you don't make a change. And so this was when I reached out to my brother. He's played a huge role in my, uh, in my life, uh, during and since getting out of prison. He's a, um, it's funny because how we're like, the, our story is it's like, just check this out. Like black sheep, golden child. We've got Stanford graduate high yeah. school, high school dropout. We've okay. got 
ex-professional tennis player, top 100 in the world. We've got a uh, convicted felon, uh, drug addict. Um, and then we've got, um, and then we've got successful businessman and, you know, ex-convict. Like we are completely different trajectories in life and we meet back up in prison. And we say it's like we meet for the first time, but um, we meet back up in prison and realize that we have so much in common with what we're trying to do in this world and who we are as, as people. Um, and it was just something special. And he basically told me, all right, this is six months in. He's like, I'm going to help you out. He's like, I want you to read these two books. And then from here on out, we'll do a coaching call a week. Um, and so he played a huge role in helping me as a coach, helping me set my game plan, create all these things that I needed to, to get to the end result that I wanted to. You know, of, of all the places that you could be put to turn or turn this program around where like the main thing that you've talked about, you know, is the challenge of worrying, wor- really deeply worrying about what other people think about you. Like prison's the worst place because the whole thing is built on this hierarchy of worrying about what other people are saying and who you are and who you connect with and yep. the relationships you have. Like that is like the worst place to try to change this thing. It's had to be incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I think it's what allowed me that right there is what allowed me to finally break it. Um, because it took a little bit, you know, I was, you can imagine like once you start doing stuff that the majority of people in the dorm or in your space are not doing, you kind of become like an outcast, but now you have to be careful because if you outcast yourself too much, now you get walked over and now you're going to have to fight even more. And so every time I transferred, I always had to prove myself in Florida prisons. They call it a TOH. It's called a test of heart. And somebody's going to come TOH you. They're going to come try you to see what you are, they can get out of you. How like are you willing to fight or are you going to pay like what, what's your, so I always had to step up. I always had to fight, which was, you know, you win some, you lose some, but at the end of the day, you just have to, it's that showing that heart and, and, and getting there and defending what's yours. And so like going through this, as you can imagine, like meditation in the morning, like I'm writing, I'm journaling, I'm reading, I'm, I'm going to like a class in the afternoon and then come back to all of a sudden be TOH is like, what's going on? Like I'm making the right moves and it's just part of the environment. And so what ends up happening for me is what I realized, and this is maybe about two years in, people started to respect what I was doing. People knew what I was doing. And it's because I learned how to properly communicate in an alpha way, a heart-centered alpha way that I respect that you are not doing what I'm doing. I'm okay with whatever it is that you have going on because that, those are your choices. If you want help or if you want some insight or if you want perspective in, 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 on what else you could be, you know, let's talk. But at the end of the day, I, you have to properly be able to communicate, this is where I'm at. And this is who I am. And if you do it in a way that it, that shows this conviction and belief and power and, and just, um, a, a respect, like now I got respect for that. So yeah, it was tricky, tricky territories to navigate, but, um, communication played a huge role in it. And, um, and definitely vision and clarity and all the things that I talk about. And so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting thing, but uh, we, we, we created some special stuff while I was away. 
Man, I know you read a truckload of books, but what were those first two that you started with that your brother recommended? Yeah, uh, Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. Uh, It's funny because if we look at the two tracks that I'm on right now, um, the two books line up so well with it. So that's like all the life lessons that I never got. And then the second book, Timothy Ferris, The 4-Hour Workweek, this is like all the business strategies and all – I love, love – uh, this world that I'm involved in now and learning the different, you know, the marketing and the brand, you know, the building your brand and the sales and the funnels and just because it's, it's all teaching you how to add more value to others. If you have something that you truly want to share with people, you have to learn how to get it out there. So that's funny. I think it's funny that he decided to send me, uh, you know, that book, the, those two books to start it all out and to now to see where I'm at in my life. It's, it's uh, coming back full circle. Man, it had to be so confusing at the first. You're thinking, man, I'm in prison, a four-hour work week. Right. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that. That's, that's true, right? <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know, here's what I always say. You know, it's, it's really difficult to change something unless you can measure it. Like, you have to have some sort of metrics in place and where you can really figure out how you're doing. You know, whether like back when you're doing your physique thing, I mean, there's calipers and you got your tape measure and you got the scale. Like, we got to measure everything before if, if we're going to change it. Yeah, And sure. so, like, how are you measuring your growth at this point? So in prison, what I was basically, I made a decision um, that I was going to do. This was at the six-month mark uh, when I first got those books. I'm going to do whatever it takes to change my life. That was the decision I made. And if it, if, if the opportunity was going to move the needle in my life forward, I would, I would do it. That was like the, that's what I said. If it, if it in any way, shape or form jeopardized my growth, I would not do it. And so that was kind of like my, my compass. And so I was involved in every class they offered. I I signed up for just about everything. I ended up helping inmates, uh, teaching and, uh, getting their GEDs. So I was an instructor. Um, I joined gavel club and this was the big thing. This is where public speaking got introduced. So gavel club is an offshoot of Toastmasters International. Joined Gavel Club, gave my first little speech. It's called an icebreaker. You give like a four to six minute bio. I fell in love with speaking from stage. And so I um, I ended up winning about maybe 10 speeches later. I ended up uh, winning the speech contest at our prison, the one I was at. So I placed first in that. And now I went out. That qualified me to now go to the, the speech contest at another prison. It was three prisons were involved. Three different gavel clubs were involved. Uh, the Tallahassee Democrat was there. So we had media coverage, um, and about 150 people in the room. And I placed second in that competition, but, um, I think that, and I was published in the, in the newspaper. So I think at that point being published in the newspaper, finding my voice, developing this passion, um, was a huge turning point for my confidence. And also to like, this stuff is, not only am I feeling better, but like results are starting to show. Um, and so going back to the prison I was at, to, to our compound, we started running events. Um, we were running events that the, ch- the chapel got involved, the church band, the chapel band came and they were doing jamming out. We had like positive rap come in and talent, positive talent show type of thing. I would speak. Um, we did gratitude 5k runs. Like we were doing a lot of cool things on that compound, all basically promoting change, promoting personal development. And, um, I was running a mastermind group in my dorm before I even knew what masterminds were. Um, uh, 
what, what's it, what did I do? Oh, John Maxwell's a 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. So I ran three guys through that. We did a, we, we met once a week at night and we went through for 21 weeks. Um, so like we were, we were, I was doing some really cool things and, um, you know, I even had a couple clients and I didn't know they were clients, but I had guys come to me and say, Hey man, I know you're like, we see you operating to a different beat here. Like, what are you doing? Like what, bring me on, put me on some game. <laughs> put me on some game on how you, how you got here. What can I start doing? I want to, I want to start doing a little better. I want to start being a little bit more positive, whatever they came to me for. And so I'd start working with guys. And I think all these are the things that I was able to see that this stuff is legitimate, that I'm seeing change in my life. People are now what coming to me. And again, that's that, that's that, uh, the peer now, but for positive reasons. And, um, yeah, man, it just started to kind of take shape. And it's like you almost established your own university on that compound. Yeah, something very. I, I mean, I don't. That's a stretch, but we were doing. Yeah, how man, we were doing some awesome things. Very grateful for that time. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you know, when people are struggling and they want to learn, the best way to learn something new is to share it with other people. Yes. Yeah. Well, they say they, the the best ways of learning. Um, you 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 speak it, you write it, and then you share it. You te- you teach it, right? It's incredibly effective like if you really want to learn something at the deepest level possible that's it like you get you and that's the thing it's like almost you familiarize with yourself with it you understand it and then as soon as you start teaching it once you start trying to figure out how to put that knowledge into the noggin of so many other people in their own learning style the way they happen to learn that's why you that's why it becomes a part of you on such a deep level yeah love it hey man so what i'm wondering is coming towards the end of your stay (laughs) <laughs> in the uh, full full service spa resort you're in for a few years. Yeah, and yeah. so what happens? Like, do you just get word that you're getting out one day or did you serve off 1400 and whatever days? Right. So we, um, there's, they, they offer a couple different programs, uh, towards the end, depending on if you qualify for them based on behavior, uh, based on your charges, et cetera, et cetera. So I did qualify for work release. And that's basically where for a, a fraction of the last bit of your sentence, you get to this place, usually in your hometown. Uh, we have several all over in like any of the major cities and, um, they allow you to go to work during the day. You have to be back by a certain time. And so you can save up some money and, and transition into society back into society so the last nine months i spent at work release and um so this is where i was able to go out and get a job and um i went and got a job as a server at outback steakhouse in the area and uh, no serving experience and this is where i basically put everything to the test so this is where i said okay I'm going to apply these uh, these four steps, these four principles that I developed while I was in prison. And it's funny because you have the, your shows called uh, or your your the um, yeah your show that teach like a rock star, yep. right? And so my my four steps, my four principles was developed using the acronym Rock, uh, building that rock solid foundation. And so I applied these things within a month and some change. I became their top in sales in every set in every single category that they offered. I became the opener. Closer, all while wearing an ankle bracelet on uh, an ankle monitor and um, having to take the bus back to the work release center. And um, so I, I, I felt this new sense of confidence. Um, I had never been operating life in this sort of way before. So that it was just incredible to see that this stuff worked. Uh, and I got out nine months later. So I was officially released in July of 2017. And, um, that's, that's where, uh, now the journey, you know, 
I guess you could say now the journey, the free world journey, uh, really started. Yeah. When, when you were at the Outback and you're doing your service, I got to know, listen, man, I've been in the service industry years that de- well, decades ago at this point. And when you get a lots of people with a whole bunch of cash and tips at the end of the night, there's some, there's some wildness that happens. And so did you ever feel any temptation or anything like that? Or were you just too committed at this mm-hmm. point? Yeah, no, man. I was, they, I came in early, would sit at a, a booth in the, in the lounge area before our restaurant was busy. And I would be working on my studies and I'd had my, uh, I tracked all my tips and I was very, just, um, very organized, very structured. I was, I was reading my positive books. People knew where I was at. People knew I was at work release. I didn't hide it. So from day one, it, I had, you have to decide, do you tell your coworkers or do you believe that the person who hired you, the boss is going to keep that a secret that just between you guys and that person's going to, and I didn't believe that. I, I thought like, you know what? He may tell somebody I'm just going to be open about it. And so I shared with my coworkers, like, this is my story and this is where I'm at in life and this is what I'm doing. And, and, and basically again, using the power of communication to, to, pro- to say effectively and powerfully and confidently, uh, w- with respect and an open heart, like this is who I am. And I'd love to connect with you if we're, if we're similar in values and if we're moving towards the same stuff, I'm, uh, but this is who I am and you have to be okay with that. And I think that's a big, big teaching point for kids. Um, but this was the first, this is the first time that I was able to do that, and it, it worked great. For The Rock, The Rock Solid Foundation, is that an acronym? That's an acronym, The Rock, man. Tell me what that stands for. Yeah, it's Raise the Bar. Um, and, of course, I go into specifics on each one and, and how they pop and how they stand out and relate to kids or relate to anybody, but uh, my main audience right now being um, being youth. Uh, but raise, raising the bar in your life, um, owning your thoughts, because after you raise the bar, your thoughts can still beat you down, right? I think we all can, can attest to that. So owning your thoughts. Um, and then as you're starting to do that and you start seeing results, you have to be ready for the resistance that's going to hit you. You have to be ready for the obstacles. And so you have to stay consistent in your efforts. So that's the C. And then how you stay in alignment with all these things and how you make sure that you don't go off the beaten path or how you know, hey, I'm kind of kind of on the line here is you have to have your values in place. As a person, I think that's a huge thing, especially for our youth. Uh, so the K is know your values. Raise the bar, own your thoughts, consistency in your efforts, and know your values. And when you came out and uh, and you're paroled, and n- n- now it's like you're on your own, and I'm sure you have to go back and meet once in a while with somebody. But at this point, like you got to get a job, you got to get a career. Did the speaker thing was this at the forefront of your mind? No, no, not at all. Um, right now, it was basically yeah, I have to I have to get a job, and um, so I ended up leaving. Uh, Outback was actually a huge setback for me, man. Someone called corporate. Uh, this was one of the coworkers, one of the other servers, um, who I don't think was happy with my numbers and this and the the sections that I got as a convicted felon working in work release. How does this guy get the best sections? And it's because my numbers were the best, but, uh, we couldn't prove who it was, but, um, we had a good idea. But anyway, Someone called corporate and said, hey, you have a convicted felon of robbery. Like, how could you ever allow him to handle money and credit cards? Like, I don't trust. I'll never come back here. So corporate, like, we had this big, huge thing. And, and the corporate ended up basically saying that we have to move you to the back of the house. 
you have to be a cook. And I said, you know, what, what's going on? I've been your top performer and we, we had to sit down. There's basically, they just, they, there's nothing. They weren't working with me. So I made a decision. Okay. I'm going to leave out back. I'm not going to go to the back of the house. I love working with people, communicating sales. So I moved to another restaurant, uh, in winter park, Florida and excelled there. Same thing happened. And so I got, when I got out, I got out of uh, work release. I've been for the last couple of months been working at this new restaurant. Well, they had a fine dining restaurant near in Orlando, about 30 minute drive from, from winter park. So I live in Orlando. So I said, you know what? I have no fine dining experience. I don't know wines, but I'm going to go for this. And so I went in there and I sold myself and got the job and funny thing. So I, I was working there for almost two, what, almost two years. I left that job about five months ago, I would say. Um, and, um, I became third in the country for that company in sales for, for that specific restaurant chain and the fine dining. It took me about a year and a half to do that. Cause again, I knew nothing, but a, a year and a half to, into that, I became third in the country in sales for that company's for that chain right there. So it was a huge win. And again, a test to just to, to, to when you change your, your approach to life, your mindset, what, what can, what can happen. Um, but yeah, man, I was, I've been working as a server day and night, working doubles weekends, uh, while building the speaking and coaching business, um, and early mornings and late nights. Man, at this point, I got to figure your dad, when you're third in the country in sales, he's got to be begging you to come sell some timeshares. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we always knew, I think I had the gift, right? I mean, like the gift of gab, so to speak, uh, sales was never a problem yeah. for me. And then, um, how did you get hooked up with Vince? So yeah, Vince was, um, let's see, I went to a mastermind and well, I would know this was the perfect life retreat. So Craig Ballantyne is Vince's, uh, Vince's, uh, one of Vince's coaches. And I went to Craig Ballantyne's perfect life retreat out in San Diego while I was on prep, uh, for the, for the bodybuilding show in December. So I went out there with Tupperware full of turkey and rice and my scale would you would have, dude, you would have laughed so hard at this. So I'm at the hotel, like I'm going around with my Tupperware, heating it up in like microwaves. Everybody's having like great food. And anyway, so, um, I went and, and went out there and that's where I kind of got into that space, um, to the entrepreneurial space. And from there it was just making connections. I really have learned the power of connect, uh, of networking. Um, and Vince and I connected through that common denominator, some mutual exchanges on Instagram. And, um, he ended up asking me to come on his podcast, uh, to interview me, um, on my story. And then from there he was like, listen, man, I'd love to have you work with me. And, and so I was able to work alongside, uh, Vince Del Monte. He's, um, for all who doesn't know, he's, he's a, uh, top, he's an online fitness business coach out of Canada. He has a very successful seven figure coaching business. And so it was an honor to be able to work with uh, him and alongside him and learn his systems and learn how he shows up for his clients and how he's making such a difference uh, in that space. And so they had that, that, that was awesome, man. You know, I'm, I'm just wondering with your, um, we got like on Instagram, man, you got what, I don't know, 10, 12, something thousand people that follow you. There's gotta be some people coming out of the woodwork from high school. Like, Oh my God. Gosh, what is going yeah. on with you? What, what? How'd you do this? Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a new client that just signed up with me for my transformational coaching program that I have 
Um, I work with primarily men on that. Um, he, he reached out and said, listen, I've known you for a long time, man. I knew you at your worst. And to see what you've done physically and mentally, he's like, I, I need, I want change in my life and I'm serious about it. Can you help me? And we sat down and we mapped out a 12 week program and, and he took action. And, and so now he's, I think, 13 pounds down right now. We're, we're almost a month in. Um, he's feeling great. He's, he's getting everything in check mentally. Uh, he's a heart centered alpha male and he's making, making some huge project progress physically. And, um, yeah, so I, that happens, of course. And then the opposite of it is, is, you know, some people that, Actually, I haven't had a single negative thing happen yet. Um, I think it's some people are shocked, right? And they'll make some comments that are just like very partial and just like almost just I can't believe it type of yeah. thing. And then you got others who want to know how, how I did it and how they could how they can uh, what they can do in their life. So with with your businesses that, that you have going on, you um, you you're doing the speaking thing, and uh, are you focusing right now mostly on youth? Yeah. Yeah. So I have, um, I, I'm open and I would love to speak. I mean, there's a couple events, uh, coming up that, I, that I'm in the running to speak at and entrepreneurial events. And, um, it, as far as organizations and businesses, I'm open to that, but there's definitely a pull right now to the youth, man. I am pulled to it. My heart's sp- like, when I talk to those kids, I light up, they, I, I feel this connection and, and this is this energy. And so, uh, I believe that God wants me to definitely right now spend, uh, my focus on building that and making an impact in that space um, while I'm growing my, 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 my other stuff on the side. And then your coaching business. Tell me about that real quick. Cause I got to tell you, that's, that's one area I think um, we just don't focus on enough is there's so many men walking around out there that are, they just, they're not sure how to start. Where do I begin? Like what's realistic? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. See, I, I believe that everybody needs a coach. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that. And, um, so the coaching, the coaching business fell in my lap. You know, I had a couple people reach out about maybe a year outside of getting out of prison. So a year out, uh, a couple people reached out and, and I get one client and had great success and ran that client through the acronym, through the rock and developed this process, which developed into a course. And so, uh, getting ready to launch, um, uh, soon enough, once I finish it up, the membership site. So I have a six week course uh, that basically you can go through uh, applying the rock method and setting yourself up for a, uh, the last week is a specific game plan where you take everything, the foundation you just built and now put that in place with a uh, with an intentional plan for growth in in the different areas of your life. We, we categorize, we, we break it down into into multiple areas and not just this big overarching, you know, this, okay, I've got to do better. Well, where do you have to do better? We get really specific. So I have that. And then my my transformational program is a one-on-one coaching where I work with primarily men and we focus on the transformation of body, heart, uh, and mind. And, um, that's been really fun and, um, it's definitely rewarding. And, and, um, so that's, I'm enjoying that and I'm getting ready to launch, uh, this is in the works right now. Um, my business coaching eight 
eight-week 5K blueprint where I help new coaches hit their first 5K month. And the first client, listen to this house, such a cool win, man. The first client who signed up with me on this, and I haven't even launched it officially. Uh, I have it all outlined. We have every step for the week, all for the eight weeks. First client worked with me. He has a fitness business, and um, he's been at it for a little over a year now, seeing minimal results. Big heart, great stuff, great content, just doesn't know how to get it out there. 30 days with me, we got him to 6K in sales uh, in the 30 days. So we surpassed the goal. The whole goal of the program is that I help you get to your first 5K month, and then you outgrow me as a coach. You outgrow me, and then you got to get to the next the next person, the next coach who's going to help you get to the 15, 20K mark. So um, I haven't officially launched that. I'm going to still build on that with the, with the clients that have signed up uh, in the case study. And um, I'm really excited to launch that when the time's right. Um, but these are things right now that I'm kind of working on in the background. It's, it's, I'm taking from the servant industry. One thing I learned, and I know you can relate to this, is as a server, it is a great place to be in when you're either going to school or trying to grow a business because it's something that's happening that you're doing, but then on the side, you're growing that your true passion or you're growing something that means a lot to you, whatever the case is. So for me, like my big thing is speaking and my heart is so in that. Um, but while I'm traveling, while I'm on the road, while I'm in the hotels, I have it's, it's such a big win to see that I can still add value in other people's lives, create income, create impact, uh, working remotely from wherever I like. And that's where the coaching businesses come in. Man, what I love about you is just how you have, um, it just, I love these stories where it eliminates all excuses where, you know, there's those, those folks, you know, I call them. Yeah. But cause you give them an idea and they go, yeah, but, and they always find, you know, <laughs> yeah, but no, that's not going to work because where like for you, there's every reason why none of this should work and yet you pull it off yeah yeah butts man those are serious those are good those are gonna get those get in your way and in addition to that here's what i also love is um for most people that are looking for any sort of a a physical transformation or um even entrepreneurial you know business coaching and most times i'm not saying this is true for all of them but for the vast majority of the ones i've come around those people that are doing those fitness coaching and they look amazing well they they were born looking amazing there was nothing they had to overcome to get that way in addition with business sometimes they just showed up on a planet like that where what i love about you is like you have came from the very bottom like from prison to where you are today and it really lets people see it man like if, if that guy can do it man i can do it yeah that's the sentence right there and there's power behind that because we've got so many people out there who have a message or who have uh, expertise who have a level of experience in something who have passion and area uh but they do not they don't understand that it's well one they don't believe that it's that it's possible for them to to do it they just don't really see it they don't understand it and it's the same way with me as a going back I didn't see and understand that I could do and had so many options in my life. I didn't see it. I didn't recognize it. So that's why when you asked me as a kid, like high school, what are you going to do? Well, my dad's in timeshare. I'm going to be in timeshare. I'm going to sell timeshare for a living. That's what I'm going to do at age 15. That's what I, because I wasn't exposed to the possibilities. And so when you see me and hear my story, you know, like you said it, like, if an ex-drug dealer, ex-convict, somebody who still slightly, still slightly, who I overcame a lot of this, but social anxiety, um, and, and we can go back to that goes back to the whole peer wanting to be accepted, all that wow. stuff. Uh, convicted felon, ex-convict. If I can create this life, 
um, that I'm finding more fulfillment and more just so rewarding and, and incredibly happy. I get to talk with you, people like you and connect with your audience and, and just, and, and what's the excuse? Why can't that person who's like, why can't you start moving towards something bigger? And it's something, there's something powerful with that, man, because we all, I mean, it's, it's one step at a time. One of the big things I tell my clients, don't overthink it. Small steps can create huge change. I'm sorry, huge momentum, which in turn creates huge change. You know, when people ask me how the, you know, how they could get in professional development for teachers, and I mean, amazing, amazing personalities out there with crazy amounts of expertise, you know, that, that, that they want to share. And, you know, they get, and I say, sure, I'll help you. And they'll show me all the stuff they prepared and they have everything color coded and different files. And like, I'll just, they have created this, this, the most beautiful set of resources, but they're not doing anything. I said, man, here's what you do. You go book a gig. That's what you do. Well, I don't have a title. Hey man, you'll get a title. Don't worry. Go, well, go book a gig for December. December 15th, get something on the calendar and people are going to show up and that will force you to get it all together. Yeah, you're, dude, you, you it, that's it right there. Just move, just take action. I haven't even launched the one coaching program, but so, what I got, I took action. I reached out to someone who I knew could benefit from him. He signed up and look, before I've official launched it, I'm not even done with all the worksheets yet. Six weeks or sorry, four, uh, a month in, 6K in sales off of my, off the, from, from the coaching. And that's because I didn't, oh, I could have made a million excuses why now's not the right time. I need to get everything finished. But why? Just let's move. There's value here. There, you can add value in someone's life. You're doing them a disservice if you don't take action to get that information to them. That's always the motivating factor for me, and I really hope other people can can feel that as well. Like I get it. I know it feels awkward and sometimes even emotionally painful to get started. I totally get it. But the, the sad part for me is if you didn't take action, that dude would be sitting in the same place he is was a yeah. month ago, struggling. Yep, hundred percent. And maybe even maybe even given up by now. It's possible. And yeah. then if yep. you extrapolate that to all the people he's helped because of this business. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. See that that's the ripple effect right and there. And then how their lives have changed because everybody knows when, when you, when there's a fitness transformation and nutritional transformation, it's just not that it's every, every part of your life changes. And the people that like you, it just, there's this exponential impact all because you decided, all right, man, I'm just going to make this happen. Let's get started today. It's got some goosebumps, Hal. I love it. Oh, That's crazy. Hey, listen, brother. I know, uh, man, I'm not your dad or anything, but and I feel weird using this word sometimes, but just, just the <laughs> whole story that you told me. Let me tell you, brother, like I'm really, really proud of what you've created and who you become, you know, through that whole story. Yeah, I appreciate you, Hal. And if there's any way I can support you and your mission and what you're doing out there, you know I'm here. I would love to love to do that. And I, I thank you for having me on the show. And I hope this message uh, landed with the right ears. And um, yeah, man, this has uh, been, it's been great. Right, man, let people how to know Eric with a K. Tell them all your info and where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you'd like to talk about booking me as a speaker, coming to your school, your organization, um, you know, one of the big things I want to do is I want to get clear on how I can serve you. I want to get clear on how I can show up for your audience and make the most impact based on the problems that they're going through. So uh, it starts with a conversation. Um, You can go to my Instagram or Facebook and just send me a direct message, or you can go to my website, which is ericsalzenstein.com. My Instagram is my last name, which is Saul. 
Salzenstein, uh, and then my Facebook first and last name. Um, but any of those places, uh, let's let's start a conversation. I think social media on any of those two outlets, Facebook or Instagram, are probably the easiest way and the quickest ways to uh, start a conversation. Um, and uh, we could talk uh, if and how I can help you. And uh, if it makes sense for the both of us, let's do it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Hal. Take care, brother. This has been the Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowman. Subscribe, rate, and share from halbowman.com forward slash podcast. 